Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Coulter, what started is the Montana Football Hour presented by Lithia Ford. Uh, we got a ton of sound from this thing, but Coulter, er, Montana, 73-28, their win over southeastern Louisiana. Uh, uh, a huge and also important win for the Grizzlies and for this football program uh, to have gotten into the playoffs for the first time since 2015, to be now into the quarterfinals for the first time since 2012, and to have had a performance like that in which Samari Torre uh, sets the all-time record at Montana ever for receiving yards in a game with 303, uh, surpassing Joe Douglas. Also surpasses one Randy Moss. Perhaps you've heard of him in FCS playoff uh, single-game receiving yards record. Randy Moss was at 288. Is that 288 right? against Delaware. You got it. Uh, and uh, and so uh, besting him by 15 yards, clearing 300 yards. And uh, obviously Dalton Sneed within that had an, a monster day, 459. Dalton Sneed, Coulter, was as good as I've seen him on Saturday. I mean, anytime you set a career high for passing yards, maybe it's, maybe it's a dumb statement, but he put the ball wherever he wanted to all day long and some of the anticipation throw anticipation throws i mean he threw a teardrop into the corner of the end zone well before the receiver is out of a break and dropped it right in the bed brass basket you could see uh, how much better a week off that was much needed for uh, Dalton Sneed was and uh, and and simply a dominant performance by the Montana Grizzlies Golter, would you take a look at that game? Four scores in the last 213 or something like that in the first half, but Montana able to get the last score, get the ball back, and then one of Samari Torrey's three touchdowns to open the second half, getting Montana to a 45-28 uh, advantage at that point, 45-21 actually. That was the separation point where they basically scored 14 points uh, on the br- bracketing the halftime. 
and really kind of separated themselves out. And then the way the offense was, was going, nobody's going to track down the Grizzlies once that sort of margin had been created. I got three thoughts on this, but let's hear Bobby Houck's first thought on this game first, and then I'll give you my three general thoughts. Here you go. This is Bobby Houck. This is post-game, his opening thoughts. Yeah, certainly an exciting day. It's, it's great to have playoff football back in Missoula. It's, it's uh, exciting for us to be back in the quarterfinals for the first time in a long time. So uh, good job by our uh, assistant coaches and players getting out there and, and uh, having a great plan and executing it and, you know, just just attacking and, and going after the win. Um, you know, I know that our our group had not played in a playoff game before, but they looked like veterans and handled all that really well. So I'm, I'm proud of our team. Uh, certainly the uh, the effort level, uh, the plays that were made today, offense, defense, special teams, uh, we look like a, a good good college football team. So my three thoughts on this were, was number one, the Grizz, I, I, I knew, I shouldn't say I knew, I, I had a feeling and predicted that this game would go two ways. Either the Grizz would be heartbroken coming out of the Bobcat game, they would not show up, and they could get upset. And and here's the thing that people forget. For all the long playoff runs, Bobby Houck's never had a sort of long playoff run. It's been Final Four, National Championship game, or one and done. There's never been a one win and out scenario. And every time he made the playoffs his first time around, there was no buys. 16-team bracket. So it's either one and done or win three. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when, well, they never won the fourth. That, that's that. I think that's the, the albatross that is the asterisk on Bobby Houck's career uh, so far. But otherwise, uh, I thought that the, there was a two-fold chance. I mean, like in 2005 when they lost the, lost the Cacarys game, they lived in the playoffs, lost to Cal Poly in the first round, and it, it was just over. I thought it was either going to be that or the other way around. This team would come out hair on fire and, and just thrash southeastern Louisiana. That's exactly what we saw. The second thing I saw was you, you don't want to say that southeastern Louisiana is poorly coached because Frank Silfo has done a great job to get a largely anonymous and largely previously irrelevant program into the playoffs and win a playoff game, a second playoff win in school history, third playoff appearance in school history. He's got to go in the right direction. They do have some really talented guys. I thought their quarterback, Jason Virgil, was as advertised. He was really good. I thought their receivers were outstanding. Uh, I thought 436 eight, yards for Chase and Virgil. Yeah, I mean, I thought, 80, scores. I thought 80 and 83, there was two receivers, were both really good players. Um, but I also thought that everything that Frank Selfo told us on Friday on our show, to me, came to fruition in the underestimation of Montana. He compared Dante Olsen to Brandon Young, who's a sophomore inside linebacker from Houston Baptist. He compared Samari Toure to a receiver from Central Arkansas. Yeah, he said that Snead's a little bit like the kid at, uh, the, is a little bit like the kid at uh, at Sam Houston State. They're not. Dalton Snead, Samari Torre, and Dalton and Dante Olson are three of the the best players in the FCS. Period. And I thought that Central or Southeastern Louisiana just was not quite ready for what what they had at their. I mean, what what, what Montana had for them. Frank Selfo uh, certainly. Uh, lauding the play of Dalton Snead after the game. Here's what he had to say. Unprompted, by the way. This was not a question about Dalton Snead. Uh, he just took it there. 
I thought they just did a great job executing. I thought their quarterback, uh, he's one of the best ones we played this year and that I've seen in a while. I thought he played at a high level, man. I mean, eight's a good player, 16's a good player. Those guys are really good. But I thought the quarterback today really played at such a high level. Uh, uh, it, everything that he did, it just seemed like it turned to gold, man. He's a good player. He's He was I don't want to say he's fun to watch. Maybe by sitting in the stands, he'd be fun to watch. But on sidelines, he's a nightmare, man. So he's a good player. Uh, First of all, you can't help but like Frank Selfo when he's up there giving you that, talking that way. But he he was right. I mean, Samari, Torrey, uh, JLM, they both had, obviously, Torrey, the greatest day in the history of Montana Mm -hmm. football and in the history of the FCS playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet... Coach Selfo spotlighting the quarterback, which that's what he does. I mean, he's a quarterback guy, but he's not wrong in that. I mean, again, it was it was Dalton Sneed's day for sure in that respect, and maybe and maybe not really appreciating what what he really is and what what Samari Tori really is. To your point, in you know, I guess you compare to what you know, but if what you know just simply isn't at the level that you're going to encounter in a given football game, uh, you know, you, there's there is a propensity to underrate. Every coach in every league in America is going to always talk about how good their league is, how much parity, how much balance, how hard it is. Oftentimes, it's just lip service. Every coach in America is also going to talk about how good the coaching is in the league that they coach in. And again, oftentimes, it's just lip service. It's not in the Big Sky Conference. Southeastern Louisiana is pretty good. They would lose to Eastern Washington. They would lose to Portland State. They're, I mean, they're, again, they're good. They're, they're probably the sixth or seventh best team in the Big Sky Conference. Right. The coaching's not the same. Everybody in the Big Sky Conference, you would never... Bobby Hawk made a point earlier this season when they were preparing for Weber State. He said, oh, people say kick it away from him. You can't really do that. Well, first of all, yes, you can. Second of all, if you kick it to a guy like Malik Flowers and he houses the kick, then you certainly do not kick it to him again. They did. They got lucky because the kicker made a tackle on the 50. Right. But that's to me, that's it's just... It's, again, you don't want to say it's bad coaching. It's just... It's an underestimation. It's as if you didn't prepare. Malik Flowers housed a touchdown on the kickoff of 81 yards. He still had three other kick returns that totaled nearly 100 yards. He had 173 yards of kick return yardage and four kick return attempts. I mean, if you were to average it all out, the starting field position, take away the kick return, the starting field position was probably still the minus 40, minus 45. So you're talking about almost midfield. Kick it out of bounds. You're better off to kick it out of bounds. You're better to straight line up and kick it to the 50 out of bounds. Don't yeah. even, I mean, don't even ever kick it deep. But also, if you have a system, if you have a scheme, but you don't have an answer to get out of that scheme, Montana's going to kill you always. I could not believe that they played. They had no pre-snap movement in the secondary. Southeastern Louisiana, they played one high safety with man coverage on the outside the whole game. Dalton Sneed played one of his best games. Samari Turi definitely played his best game. But part of it was the fact that Southeastern Louisiana never switched out of it. It was like watching the Idaho State-Idaho game last year where Tanner Guller threw eight touchdowns and Idaho just sits there and man and just lets him throw it. And the coaches are just screaming at the guys to try harder. How about you make an adjustment? Mm-hmm. Like, you got to put Montana State completely scrapped all the covers that they have been running this whole year to run like a, a, a cover two combo where they bracketed Samari Toure. So they had Damian Washington standing in front of him and so he could break up those passes and they had a safety standing behind him. I just I just couldn't believe that Southeastern Louisiana was just willing to take the beating that they did. And give this team credit. 
they went back and forth with Montana in the first half. It was yeah. 31-21 at one point. But as soon as they, they went up 7 nothing, and they gave up 24 unanswered, and then they fought back, and it was 31-21. But when you're down 24-7 against this Grizz style, it completely changes what they can do on defense. Because Montana, when they have a three-score lead, they don't even call plays based on formation. They're not even looking at your pre-snap movement. They're straight bringing the house. I bet you they blitzed 50 times in a row. I'm yeah. serious. I bet you they've sent two extra guys 50 times in a row. I, I, I prefaced a question to Coach Selfo in the postgame. Hey, they brought a lot of pressure today. And before I could finish, he goes, oh, you noticed that too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Je- Jeff Chota, yeah, just a little bit. Jeff Chodobontes said he always has all his bliss percentages. It's one of his favorite stats, even though stats are for losers. And he... He said that Montana blitzed, by his estimation, 66% of the time. So two-thirds of the time. Yeah. It was much higher than that even. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's what I'm telling you. Like, throw the stats out the window. Yeah. Saturday was Montana's dream game. If you're going to not adjust on defense, you're just going to give them the same look. And then you can just send the house over and over and over again because there's not... There's no risk. There's no risk. You don't have the touchdown because yeah. guess what? What does that mean? Yeah. We get the ball back. Right. And you're not going to stop us. Right. I thought Bobby Huck even got to the point where he was just trying to make a point about Southeastern Louisiana not adjusting. They were up by 40 with 13 minutes to play in the fourth quarter, and he still threw one more bomb to Toure. <laughs> just to say, let's stamp this thing. Let's get you three hundy, third touchdown, and we'll, we'll go home after that. But Montana didn't even need to run the ball. I think the other factor is that if you're Southeastern Louisiana, again, the 436 passing yards is impressive. But they had no rushing yards to speak of. And, and in a game like that, once you get down three scores, if you become one-dimensional, again, it just allows the Grizz to tee off on you. So I thought it was that was a great performance by the Grizz. I think that uh, they take a ton of momentum to Weaver State. I think it was a statement for the rest of the country. And it'll be interesting to see now because I think that they had to have it. Obviously, it's a win-or-go-home game, but mentally, they're locked back in. We'll see if they can make a run. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. To tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. It's the Montana Football Hour presented by Lithia Ford and Coulter. Uh, how crazy was Montana's day, particularly offensively? How about this? Lost in the mix. Lost in the mix. Marcus Knight scored, hello, four touchdowns. Three rushing touchdowns and another receiving touchdown. In fact, scored more even than Samore Torre, and yet it just sort of, you know, 
this sort of happened within the mix of a, a pick six to end the football game on Malik Flowers' uh, kick return uh, and the and the obviously again the 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 monster day that Samari Torre had. Speaking of Samari Torre, he was asked about passing Randy Moss. That's pretty good, if I understand it correctly. In the annals of FCS playoff history, here's what he had to say. Yeah, that's surreal uh, just because, you know, he's always been my favorite receiver, my role model growing up. So that's, that definitely means a lot to me. But, yeah, like you said right now, I'm just happy, you know, we got this first uh, playoff win out of the way, and I'm just excited to see what's next for our team. Also, getting some love on the national level, Samari Torre with Jesse Palmer and Joey Galloway uh, talking they give out helmet stickers on, on College Football Live where they kind of find the best performances of the week and who they want to give it to. Jesse Palmer giving Samari Torre some love. Samari Toure of Montana, guys, broke an FCS single-game receiving record in the playoffs. 303 receiving yards. Do you want to know whose record he broke? Not bad. Randy Moss. Oh, I've back heard in of 1996 in Marshall. Yeah. yeah, and then I love Missoula, Montana, too. I love Missoula. Great spot. There you go. Missoula gets a little love uh, from uh, from Jesse Palmer and uh, Samari Toure. A lot of love from Jesse Palmer. By the way, you got to watch the clip because the Joey Galloway tweeted this at Gus Tutel, so if you're looking for it. But when they say they love Missoula, Montana, one guy does not love Missoula, Montana, and I don't know why. I don't know what happened with Joey Galloway, but he just shaking his head. No, not about Samari Toure. No, no, no. About Missoula. It's just hysterical. You got to go watch this thing on the deal. Okay, there's my plug. We talk about it all the time, but in the FCS, it's so much like the NFL in the way that you have to structure your roster. When you have a 63 scholarship limit, and you can splice and dice those scholarships. Jeff Choate talked about it in his press conference at Montana State today. We'll play the clip a little bit later on this week, but it's not a body for a body. You have to figure out how to manage your roster because it's just like in the NFL. When your $20 million left tackle goes down, likely his backup is a league minimum type player. Mm-hmm. When your franchise quarterback, in this case for the Montana Grizzlies, Dalton Sneed goes down, Cam Humphrey is a nice player. Dalton Sneed, when he's healthy, is one of the best players in the country. So, and even with Dalton Sneed playing in recent weeks, I thought he came back too soon from the, the, I, the, I guess, the, the reported or speculated surgery that he had on that ankle, regardless if he had it operated on or not. He was not full strength. He was dragging his leg walking into Kakaris press conference a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. I watched him practice earlier this week, though. He wasn't dragging. I think the other thing that has really been lost is that they have given him early week, early in the week practices off because when he came back against Idaho, he got a shoestring tackle, and you could tell he twisted that ankle again. Yeah. When he came back against Montana, or when he just against Montana State, or excuse me, against um, Weber, he got hit a couple times, and he was really laboring. And then he got annihilated against the Cats, got sacked six, six times. times and hit a- another dozen. Yeah, Just a couple weeks without getting hit and getting to ice that thing and rehab that thing. That, but then also he got to take a week off of practice, but then also have another week of practice. And Coach Halk yeah. has talked about it all the time. They, they don't talk about injuries. But he's Bobby Halk has been very open and revealing about Dalton Sneed in terms of his timetable. And he has always told us, when he hasn't practiced on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and when he has. And Hauk always says, when this guy practices all week, he's just so much better. He has to get the reps to get in. He practiced all last week. Well, he throws for a career-high 459 yards. Dalton Snead was asked about how important the week off was. Here's what he said. Well, I think not only myself, but I think everybody on this team really benefited from it. Um, 
anytime you get that many days off and not only physically but mentally can can kind of take a break and, and recoup, it's always been great. So it was great for all of us. There's no doubt, uh, and, and probably most beneficial to him, the one thing I'd say, Coulter, is he did get hit once in this game that that you could tell he was slow in getting up from. And you wonder, you know, how significant it was and and how how long, you know, the the digression takes to get back to where you were entering the game, uh, if you can. But certainly uh, no rest for the weary now and a short week and finals. And so that's just kind of the way that it goes. Uh, by the way, Dalton Sneed, also had a career day, as we've mentioned, 465 yards passing, uh, the biggest day of his uh, college career, and uh, 459, excuse me, total, 459 total, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and uh, was absolutely on point in every respect. Asked about the great day he had, and also particularly about how well he felt the O-line played. Tremendously. I mean, that's where it starts is up front. Um, and I know Maury got that record today, and, and I'm sitting here, and we're talking about how many yards I passed for, but zero sacks, that's the, that's the highlight of the day for me. Um, and it's because of the offensive line and the great job they did. I think there's two plays out there. Uh, they were in the first half where they, uh, they blitzed, and, and it wasn't picked up, and that's not the offensive line's fault. That's my fault. Uh, and we got it all sorted out, and I didn't get touched the rest of the day, so it was a tremendous job by them. So there you go. Uh, Dalton Steed, given uh, giving the love to the big guys up front who did uh, do a nice – I mean, look, man, there's no there's nobody to say uh, – no way to say that anybody did anything other than an exemplary job when you score 73 points in a football game, it seems to me. Huge day for Montana. They go to Weber State. We're going to talk a lot about Weber State, Montana 2.0. Uh, throughout the course of the week, but uh, the the game Saturday, that's a big one for Montana and for this team and this group, uh, and frankly for Coach Houck uh, to to come out of the Montana State game, that be the fourth loss in a row against the Cats, having not won a playoff game with this group, now getting there and winning, winning it the way that they did, and it's, you know, they call it the second season for a reason, and it feels that way right now for Montana, where it is they, they they took their bye week, they cut it off, and now they're, you know, launching. It's going to be a much harder test this week in Ogden than it was in Missoula on Saturday. But this is, uh, that was a huge, huge win for that program. Yeah, we'll get into the Weaver matchup a little bit. I, I don't know if it is. I, I honestly think that just from a pure matchup standpoint, that Montana is a nightmare matchup for Weaver State. And I think it all comes down to who operates the first 8 to 10 minutes of the game better. Because if Montana gets up on Weaver State, they will crush them again. Uh, n- I'm, I'm not saying that necessarily, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's hard to when it was a 38-7 blowout the first time around. Mm, 35-16. Was it? 35-16. They okay. were 35-3, and okay. they called off okay. the dogs. In any case, 35-16. My memory fails. Uh, Weber State is a far superior team. To southeastern Louisiana, I think that's, that's exactly. I think that's what you got to. I think that's the perspective you have to have if you're the Grizz, is that you have played a whole bunch of te- really good teams in the last six weeks. Southeastern Louisiana just fits into that group. They are not. I mean, you can't. I guess what I'm saying is, good job by the Grizz getting their confidence back in order, but you can't be too high on yourself from scoring 73 points in a playoff game because, to be quite honest. That was the fourth best team they've played in the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think just right. speak, with the way that the, the defenses operate in the Southland, for example, Eastern Washington would win the Southland. Not as if Eastern Washington is this crazy good team. 
easier wash that would just fit into the Southland with the way the Big Sky is constructed now with a, a little bit more run heavy in the top teams like Montana State and Weaver State. We were Eastern Washington would light up the Southland, but they finished fifth in the Big Sky Conference. I mean, I, I just think that the Portland State win was as good as the Southeastern Louisiana win, yeah. if not better. The you know an Idaho game that's a rivalry, okay, but then also Weaver State, Montana State, Montana's battle tested is what I'm saying, but they have to continue to have confidence in themselves. I think they'll take a ton of confidence to Weaver this weekend, no doubt. Sue Tell Nuanas, one or two nine ESPN Radio. We covered. The Grizzlies and the Lions. What about the Bobcats and the Great Danes? A 47-21 beatdown. Montana State scored hello 47 consecutive points in what became a rout, ultimately, of Albany in their second round but first game of the playoffs. And they, as the uh, cookie crumbles, are hosting again another game in Bozeman Friday night against Austin Peay. We'll talk about this football game and, uh, and hear some sound uh, from, uh, from Coach Choate and others right after this. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good evening, Ryan Tutel, Colton Juanas. Here's some sports news for you. Playoff football will continue this weekend in the Treasure State and in the Big Sky Conferences. Three teams from the league, including two from Montana, advance to the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. Number six, Montana, is into the quarterfinals for the first time since 2011 after routing southeastern Louisiana 73-28. On Saturday afternoon, Dalton Sneed looked back to full health and Samari Torrey etched his name in the record books above Randy Moss in a performance for the ages. Toure hauled in 12 passes for an FCS playoff single-game record 303 yards and three scores as Sneed threw it for a career-high 400. 59 yards and five touchdowns. Torre's yardage uh, total shattered Joe Douglas's single-game school record of 279. He had that in 1996. It also bested Randy Moss's 288-yard record also in the 96 playoffs. The Grizz, they head for a rematch against Weber State, who is the number three team in the nation. They squeeze out a win over Kennesaw State. The two squads play for a second time in a month in Ogden at 8 o'clock Friday night. Number five, Montana State scored 47 unanswered points against number 25, Albany, to move into the quarterfinals for the first time since 2012 with a 47 21 win. The uh, Bobcats will take on upstart Austin P team that blasted four-seeded Sacramento State Saturday night. MSU hosts the Governor 6 p.m. Friday night, ESPN 3. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Montana State scored 47 points in a row 
And one going away, 47-21. They were up 47-7. Albany actually opened up this game with the first score, and then mm, didn't go so well after that for the Great Danes. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. It is the Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Lithia Ford. We are uh, broadcasting from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy and online at KurtzPolaris.com. And Coulter, uh, what a day for Montana State. Uh, they win going away, score 47 consecutive uh, uh, points. Jeff Undercuffler threw a, a, a big pass, a bomb in the first uh drive of the game, 58-yard touchdown to score uh, just over a minute into this football game, give uh, Albany a 7-0 lead. Montana State comes right back down the field. Travis Johnson has a 47-yard run to tie the thing up. Then a safety on a block punt. Looked like a volleyball spike just shooting out the back. I mean, the putt was from like the 15-yard line. It's not like he was in the end zone and the ball just goes ka-ching right out of the stadium. We talking about questionable coaching decisions in the first segment. You want to know it's a good coaching decision? When Isaiah Afonso is trying to screw with his teammates and he's checking himself in on scout team punt, punt block and the starting punt unit can't block him, and you say, okay, you're go, on the, go you're do on the starting punt block unit. <laughs> Joe said right. he's been screwing around, checking himself in for three weeks, and they could never block him. So he's like, all right, Isaiah, if, you really, if you're really this into it, you're on. Go and do then it. he goes and blocks a punt. Uh, and didn't just block it, but got two points out of the deal, and then Montana State gets the ball back, and they're off and running. They score 47 straight points. Albany added a couple of scores late, which were utterly inconsequential. It was 47-7 uh, with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and this ball game uh, was completely over. Coulter, Montana State once again goes over 200 yards rushing, three touchdowns on the ground. Travis Johnson getting it started. Isaiah Fonse, Logan Jones each getting a score. But the story of the day, for Montana State, offensively, so that we have not said this entire season, Tucker Rovig put on a show. 24 of 30 in this football game, hugely efficient, 279 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, Kevin Cassis, 11 receptions for 131 yards and a touchdown. He had a huge day. And, and, there were throws. I mean, there were throws down the field that were made by by these guys in this game. Now, look, Albany you can talk to me about the secondary. You can talk to me about the pass rush. Go ahead. That's all well and good. All I'm saying is, if you are if you're looking for optimism and a guy who has improved over the course of the year, and regardless of what you're doing, even if it's in practice, you put a ball on a guy as he's streaking down the sidelines. Those are good throws that were made, and to be as efficient as he was on uh, on Saturday, uh, Tucker Rovig is to be commended. And again, three touchdowns, two hundred seventy nine yards, a really big and very good day for a guy who has uh, you know struggled, frankly, throughout the course of this season. Uh, got right against Albany. Well, first we'll start there. Credit where credits due. I think Tucker Rovig hit rock bottom against North Dakota. He looked awful. He could not operate. Montana State's offense couldn't operate. I mean, everything from delay of games to leaving timeouts in your pocket to throwing bubble screens into the stands, it was terrible. It was an awful performance. Yep. That was sort of a, an awakening moment for the Bobcats. As Jeff Choate said, turn a letdown into a, a comeback, and that's what they've done. And I thought Rovig was fine against Southern Utah and Northern Colorado. Pretty good. And that's all they needed to be is fine or pretty good. That's all the Montana State needs Tucker Rovig to be. Then I thought he was very good against UC Davis, and he actually, it wasn't just that he didn't lose them the game, he contributed to them winning the yes, game. Yes, he did. And then I thought against the Grizz, 
All they needed him to do was hit two shots, and he did. He hit two shots. I think you also got to give a ton, a ton, a ton of credit. I mean, Kevin Cassis is five foot 11, 195 pounds. He comes to Montana State as a slot receiver. They've been playing him on the outside for four straight years, making him block, making him play as much quarterback as he plays receiver. I mean, the guy takes as many Wildcat snaps as he gets chances in the passing game. It would be so easy for him to just fall asleep or not be engaged. The guy, you can tell he's an unbelievably hard worker because you look at pictures of him when he was a freshman and you look at pictures of him now. It's not just the haircut, people. I mean, my goodness. The kid has transformed his body. He is real deal. But he's also a great pass catcher. He goes up and gets it. Unbelievable hands. And that's that's a skill that you develop, man. And he certainly has. 100%. And it would be so easy for him to just get lulled to sleep and not be ready when his chances are called. And now... All of a sudden, look! don't look now, but the kid's got 61 catches for 802 yards on a team that doesn't throw the ball. Pretty darn impressive numbers. I mean, 800 yards receiving is a big year for anybody, let yeah. alone a, for a team that hardly throws it. So um, I think that the passing game as a whole deserves a ton of credit, but also just the fact is that we talked after the North Dakota game how the reason the quarterback position is so pivotal, not just the operation of the offense and the operation of a game, but just the fact is, if a guy doesn't play well, it can rob the confidence of everybody on your team. And all of a sudden, you can have infighting. You're playing lights out as a defense, just like Montana did, Montana State did at North Dakota. Yep. And you lose because your offense cannot operate. All of a sudden, now, you got a divided locker room. Everybody's screaming, "Why? You know what's wrong with the coaches? Why don't they play a different guy at quarterback? The fact that Rovig never let that happen, turned the corner, and then, honestly, he's played. He's he's been a factor in them winning games three weeks in mm-hmm. a row. If you would have told me that six or eight weeks ago, I would have said, you're crazy. I don't think, unless they're playing Norfolk State, he's not going to be a, a winning factor. He was. Yes. He was great. And, I, I, you know, but then also you do have to mention, Southeastern Louisiana is good. Albany has a couple good players. That Albany, UC Davis, UC Davis is winning that game going away. UC Davis was a below 500 team. Mm-hmm. In Albany versus... Cal Poly, I'd love to watch it. Cal Poly won two league games this year. Yeah. I, I'm just I, Under Cuffler is a great player. Juwan Green is an NFL guy. He scored 58-yard touchdown on, his first, on the first play of the game. Had 100 yards receiving on a couple catches. But they did a good job buckling down. They had about six or eight dudes that were really good. Everybody else, though, was just not that good. I mean, their corners were just not good. I mean, Lance McCutcheon has been he's disappeared this year. He's been nowhere to be found. He caught two 40-plus-yard touchdowns. So they were taking advantage of some pretty big athletic mismatches. I mean, there's a reason Albany's never won a playoff game in its totally. history. And they're trying to build this thing up, and, and that's totally. good. And they got a quarterback to do it, they for did, sure. They got a quarterback to do it. And the CAA is the other league in the country that has the unbalanced schedule problem. Mm. And Albany did not play James Madison, and they did not play Villanova. They're a six and two team in that league. If they play those two teams, let's say they lose them both. Now they're a four and four team in that league. They're still better than they have been, and they're still For a winning sure. program, but they're not a playoff team. Right. So it, it just changes the complexion. I'm not trying to dog on Albany. They're a top fifty team in the in the FCS. I just didn't see. I, I think that they're kind of a middle of the road team in Montana State. They, there was no question after that first touchdown. There was no question. I mean, Montana State completely dominated this game on special teams even with Tristan Bailey missing a field goal and them having some poor operation. And I think that when you talk about athleticism differences, speed, team speed differences particularly, I think that's where it shows up the most is on special teams. So, uh, you know, I just I thought that was a key factor. Let's listen to a little bit of uh, Jeff Choate. Here he is, his opening statement uh, after the win. Really, really proud of the way our team played together as a team today. 
there's no doubt that uh, it was a complete victory in all three phases. Uh, you know, I think the punt return yardage was huge for us in the first half, set us up on some short fields. We got the takeaways that we wanted to on defense, and we executed and operated on the offensive side with some explosive plays. And, and I think Tucker played a tremendous game today, 24-30, almost 280 yards, three touchdowns, and gave our receivers chances down the field, 2-7. He's been owing me those interceptions for about four years now, so it's about time I got paid back. And uh, Amandre and our D front doing a tremendous job up front. So there you go. Uh, by the way, just I mean, because it is worth pointing out, especially on that special team stuff. Coy steal four punt returns, a hundred five yards. I mean, there's there's a lot of games where you're doing it right. You don't allow a yard of punt return yardage. He got f- four of them for one hundred five, as long as forty one. But he took it wherever he wants it. Uh, Isaiah Fosse also had twenty a twenty two yard punt return, and then Logan Jones had three kickoff returns uh, totaling 93 yards, including a long of 51. So they, uh, well, whitewashed Albany in the in, in the special teams game, including the punt blocks. And that's how you stack it. That's how you yeah. stack it and extend it is when you get the ball at midfield and the other team knows you're a run first, run second outfit, run play action and chuck it on the very first play. And that's what they did mm-hmm. three times after halftime, and they scored on two of those plays. Yeah. And... That's how you just really extend it. I mean, to me, the 47-21 is not even indicative of how much Montana State dominated the game. They put in Casey Bauman and all their backups with about 14 minutes to play. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, two of Albany's three scores were garbage time touchdowns. I think they gave up 130 yards between the first play of the game and when they put in their backups. So they were dominant. I mean, they gave up about 130 yards on about 48 plays. So they are giving up, you know, Three yards per play, which an impressive effort. And Coach Chope mentioned Damian Washington there, who had two interceptions. I think the sign of a good program and the sign of good coaching is when guys that have been in your program start to play their best football at the end of their careers. Damian Washington's been a sort of a glue guy that's not really necessarily. I mean, he, he's not. He's not fast. He would tell you that he's not fast. He's a zone corner in a scheme that needs man corners. And with Jalen Cole suffering that injury against the Grizz, that has, I mean, I, he might come back someday, but he's hes not played a game since the Cat Grizz game two years yeah. ago here in Missoula. And Tyrell Thomas struggling with a hamstring injury that's just nagged him forever. And Munchie Filer missing this whole season. They had to have Damian Washington step up. And he stepped up huge, and he played his absolutely his two best games against Montana and Albany. What else can you ask for from a senior? Tucker Rovig, as uh, Coach Schultz mentioned, had a big game. He had more to say about his quarterback. I think we gave him opportunities and he took advantage of them. This is, you know, the guy that we see every day in practice and, you know, our coaching staff and our team has a tremendous amount of confidence in Tucker and we knew we were going to need him. And when you play one of the 16 best teams in the country, you're going to need your best. And and uh, Tucker had his best today. And uh, I'm hoping there's a little more left in the tank. Right, Tuck? Uh, Jeff Choate also talked about a moment after North Dakota that was maybe a bit of a season changer again after the North Dakota loss. It was basically a month that Montana State didn't win a game because they lost, had a bye, lost again, and then didn't get, you know, to get back onto the field for basically four weeks. Here's what Coach Coach Choate said about the moment just after North Dakota. You know, we kind of had that moment after the North Dakota game where we really had to uh, kind of examine what we were doing. We felt like we'd become predictable. Um, We're a little bit too easy to defend and challenge the offensive staff to become more creative. And, um, you know, I think that's really, in a weird way, that loss, which, you know, in hindsight, cost us a cha- a, a, at least a share of the Big Sky Championship has c- kind of pushed us forward as a team and made us better. And sometimes you have to have those. You know, you turn a setback into a comeback, and I really think that's what we did. 
So there you go. By the way, uh, also worth noting, Troy Anderson, again, uh, did not play in this football game, had a brace on his right knee. Uh, and so, you know, we still await to see uh, what, Brooks what, what asked his My brother Brooks is. asked Joe today about it, and Brooks basically framed the question, is it a combination of all Troy Anderson's injuries that are keeping him out? And Jeff Choate said that's exactly how I would say it. He said the good news is that none of them require surgery. The bad news is he's got all sorts of stuff that is just not going to heal unless he rests up. And if he was to play, they could all get hit again. They could put it into surgery mode, and yeah. that's what you got to avoid, especially considering he's already had multiple operations. Yeah, uh, huge uh, day again for Montana State. Forty-two. Uh, uh, 47-21 victory, hosting now Austin P uh, this Friday. By the way, the head coach of Austin P, Mark Hudspeth, he's going to join us at the top of the hour, so stick around for that. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure am i right absolutely got to be cyber safe this day and age well for you business owners out there whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business it's still running through the web we all know that's a fact and in today's always on world your business demands a simpler approach to network security at blackfoot communications they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of montana they do they're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com business. That's goblackfoot.com business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. At 1029 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT, I mean, I don't want to grovel, but my next follower on the Twitter there, Coulter, at Gus Tutel, 5 hundo. Let's go. It's only taken me 11 years. <laughs> has Twitter even been around for 11 years? No, goodness gracious. Yeah, it has, actually. It ha- oh, it has. It is, I, it has I have not been around I remember uh, two of my best friends growing up. Jason Ty Palmer, twin brothers who played for the Montana Grizzlies. Know him well. When Twitter came out, University of Montana marketing department told them that they were going to get a Twitter and they were going to tweet updates about what was going on with Grizz football. You know, they just once a week give us an update. Great practice. We worked hard today. We're ready for Weaver State. 2006, by the way, David tells us Twitter launched. They were both like, what do we put on here? What what am I doing? I don't want to tell. I don't want to do this. Listen, and now man. and now every athlete in America is tweeting a hundred times per day. These kids are tweeting at during games. The first time I, my I had a buddy who 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 was on Twitter. He's he he's he's like a a, a dental salesman. You know what I mean? Like he's. He's just a, a person living his life. He's like, <laughs> hey, I'm on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, and I'm checking. Like I looked at it, and I, the first time I'm on there, he's like. You know, great day to be at church. Hey, you know, here I am out in the field. I'm like, what do I care what in the world you're doing on your own time? I don't want to hear. I mean, not that I don't want to hear, but like, you know, I got my own life to live too. Why am I watching what you're doing? And now here I am at Gus Tutel, people. That's where you want to go to live your best life. Follow me.
Uh, Coulter, let's finish up here the Montana Football Hour by taking a brief look ahead. We're going to spend a ton of time, obviously, on both these games. Montana State hosting Austin P again in about 10 minutes from now. Mark Hudspeth, the head coach of Austin P, going to join us here on the show. But uh, And then uh, Montana heading over to Weber State to play at Ogden. Coulter Weber uh, hung on for a 26-20 win over Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State, a good team, a triple option team, kind of an atypical deal. They get the W. Okay, they're moving on. I think you should more aptly should say they they came back for because they were down seventeen to nine yep, late yep. in the first half. They were down uh, seventeen to nine until early in the uh, second half, and then they took a nineteen seventeen lead till midway through the third quarter. Got twenty six seventeen, and then held on for a twenty six twenty victory. So they uh, they await a rematch with Montana. Montana won thirty five sixteen the first time around. Was up thirty five to three. Uh, before, you know, Weber State got a couple of late scores in that game. But an absolute throttling by Montana of the then number three team in the nation, which, by the way, Weber State, once again, is the number three team in the nation as they match up again this week. Uh, Bobby Houck told us today in his press conference, it's hard to beat a team twice. He's played a team twice in the same season five times and has never won or lost twice. It's always been a split. If, uh, if I've got it right. So in any case, it doesn't matter, but it is an odd thing that it happens this way. Playoffs sort of give that more of a, a likelihood to happen. Weber State's really good. You talked earlier, you think the matchup in some ways really favors Montana just in general because of what the Grizzlies do in the early part of this game. But also, we both know that Weber State, they are going to be up for this game. So there's there's two what I would call mental emotional parts to this. In the favor of Weber State, it's this. When the first brackets came out, Jay Hill said, if we win, we got Montana, presuming Montana was going to win. We get another shot at them. And I think that there is going to be a fire lit because it was the biggest beatdown that Weber State had this year and an embarrassing loss for Weber State, who thought that, you know, they're the number three team in the nation. They came in and got whooped by Montana. So they're going to have presumably that going for them, that fire from the loss that they took. What I think Montana has going for it is the confidence of having beat down this team once before. And I do think that as much as you may want revenge, if you lose the way that Weber State lost, until you prove that you can play with a team, there's a little bit of doubt of really are they that much better than we are when you hit the field. And I don't know where they're, you know, where they're going to be. Presumably they're plenty confident. They're a senior-laden team. they got a great defensive line, uh, among other things, as we know. Uh, but that that is what I'll be looking for, just sort of the, the way that these two teams come in and approach this game on Friday night. Weber State... They score so many points. The reason they, I'll give you the couple of reasons why I think this is a great matchup for Montana and a bad matchup for Weber State. Weber State scores so many points on special teams. They have a definitive advantage in the special teams game against almost everybody that they play. That's not the case with Montana because they put such a high priority on special teams as well. Mm-hmm. I think that Weber State, when you're comparing and contrasting the, the special teams specialists, Trey Tuttle is one of, if not the best, kickers in America. I, I have a AP All-American vote, and I voted for Trey Tuttle as my first-team All-American kicker. The guy's 22 of 26 kicking field goals this year. I mean, 22 field goals in one year. That's amazing. He scored, I mean, he's, he's basically getting you two field goals a game. Yeah. I think that Doug Lloyd 
has been good as a punter, but Montana had him completely riled. Now we'll see what it's like when he's on his home field. Yeah. But Montana threw a whole bunch of unorthodox stuff at him that had him really sh- rattled. And he also just dropped it. I mean, he had a, he had a pump block, and then he was shaking yeah. in his boots after that because I think it was the crowd combined with the, the scheme that he was seeing in front of him. But then you look on the other positions. Rashid Shahid is the best kicker turner in the country. He's out. So that negates that advantage. Yep. Malik Flowers now has the advantage for Montana as for the sure. kicker turner. Same in the punt. Josh return. Davis and Rash- uh, they stopped using Josh Davis as a punt returner because he got that concussion against North Dakota. So you don't want to have your starting running back taking extra hits. So now advantage Montana. Darryl McGee. So now you're all the uh, the the advantages that people don't pay attention to on the special teams. They all are in Montana's favor mm-hmm. now. Then you look at the way that this team operates. Weaver State is is. They have to be in the game to be able to operate because they don't have an offense or a style to come back. Montana can be down 17 nothing and win. They've done it multiple times this year. Weber State, when they're down 21-3, it's game, set, match. And, that, and that's how it was in Missoula, especially when you're talking about being able to bring the house at, at Jay Constantine because when he has to press and he has to make throws, he can sometimes make them, but he will also likely melt down. When they can't use their run game first and foremost, it's a tough matchup for him. So I think just getting out to a quick start could be huge for Montana. The other factor here is that in that Montana game, you have the early turnovers and all that stuff, but on the other hand, you also... You lost Justin Malone, your starting tight end for the year. Devin Cooley went out in the first quarter. He did not come back. He's your best wide receiver. Josh Davis took a big hit in the hole. He had mitigated carries for the rest of the game. Jay Constantine gets knocked, the quarterback gets knocked out uh, midway through the third quarter. Rashid Shahid did not play in the second half. That's your five best players that right. touch the ball. Right. And so that is an advantage Weber because conventional wisdom says that all those guys are not going to get hurt in the first quarter again. Right. We got to give Montana credit for knocking those guys out too. So we'll see. We'll preview this game as the, as the beat marches on and uh, give you a little preview on Austin P before we talk to Mark Hudspeth. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, We have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.